They're friends in Christ. Go ahead. Pick a destination. Pick a destination that you'd like to travel to. Perhaps you haven't been to all those places. And then after you're deciding on how you're going to get there, you need to decide on where you're going to stay. And if you spend less than $100 per night at a hotel, you're probably staying at a dump or a low-budget chain motel. Today, however, the traveler has options not available to us 20 years ago. In the sharing economy, we can find online platforms that connect us with people who are willing to share a room or even a whole house, and usually at a price that's far below the commercial rates. A leader of that hospitality industry? Yep, Airbnb. That company was conceived after its founders had put an air mattress in their living room to offset the high cost of living in San Francisco. And essentially, they had turned their apartment into a bed and breakfast. Now, Airbnb is a shortened version of its original name, which was Air Bed and Breakfast, but that was too long to type on the online. Today, a little more than 10 years after its humble beginnings, Airbnb is valued at more than $36 billion. They've booked tens of millions of overnight stays for their hosts around the world. As we look at our gospel reading for today that we heard earlier, think about Jesus' response to those disciples' questions of, where are you going? In that, it said at verse 35, the next day John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. And turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, Jesus replied, and you will see. And so they went, and they saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. And it was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, he was one of the two who had heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. And the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus says, come and see. Jesus extends an invitation to his new friends to check out where he's staying. Now, isn't that a little bit shocking? So what does Jesus' guest house look like? It's very likely not his own house. Indications was that he was like many millennials, and he probably stayed home perhaps till he was 30 years old. Perhaps he had an Airbnb in Capernaum, and it's that house that he invites his new friends to. Or maybe Mary and Joseph, they had a rental down by the Sea of Galilee. Probably not. This is an unusual situation, though, in which Jesus is the host. Other times he's a guest and he's inviting himself into someone's house, like a man named Zacchaeus. And here as the host, now Jesus extends an invitation to come and see. But first, before we think about being a guest in Jesus' house, let's imagine Jesus being a guest in our own house. Would we say, well, come on in, Jesus. You know, we were waiting for you. What would it look like? Well, first of all, there'd be no problem with wine. All we need is a bottle of Perrier or Evian, and Jesus will take care of the rest. What about the furniture? Do you eat on the floor? 
like they did during that time of Jesus? Would we say, oh, Jesus, generally about foot washing, we try to wash our hands before we eat. But we do use soap. And we want to find Grandma's Bible and dust it off and have it lying there on the table, perhaps put a bookmark in it, and maybe even have it open to John chapter 3. Will we get out our gaming consoles and play video games with Jesus? Maybe pull out that game, the Pharisees and Sadducees, that's called the Brood of Vipers? Yeah, Jesus, he might want to play that one. And how about our conversation? Would we say, hey, Jesus, did you catch that UFC cage fight of Christian versus Lion? Or some small talk, maybe even about the weather. Perhaps we might even ask Jesus, so you were born in Bethlehem and you were raised in Nazareth? What was that like? And what would we eat? Well, you've got a couple of leftover fish and five slices of bread. Perfect. And then there should probably be olive oil, right? But avoid a virgin or extra virgin. You may want to block out those letters. That uh, don't want to be too careful, but it might not be necessary. And it wouldn't hurt to have some fig and hummus and crackers to go along with it. Would you play cards with Jesus? Probably not, because you know Jesus knows everything. <laughs> and would you pray? Do you even know the Lord's Prayer? How awkward would it be for you to have a brain type of cramp at the wrong time? You wouldn't want to sound like a nun, Sister Mary Clarence and Sister Act. Bless us, O Lord, for these thy gifts which we're about to receive. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of no food, I will fear no hunger. We want you to give us this day our daily bread and to the republic for which it stands. And by the power invested in me, I pronounce us ready to eat. Amen. Amen. Yeah, you don't want to do that, do you? On the other hand, what would we do if we were invited to be a guest in Jesus' house? Well, in the gospel, Jesus is host three times. The first time is in this text that's before us today. He tells two of his future disciples to come and see where he's staying. And the next time is when he gathers his disciples together for what we now call the Last Supper. And on this second occasion, a disciple asks Jesus, you know, what were they going to do about the Passover? And Jesus says to Peter and John, he says, go and prepare the Passover meal for us so that we may eat it. And finally, there's the post-resurrection scene in Galilee in which Jesus hosts a fish breakfast. And Jesus says to them, come and have breakfast. And none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. So Jesus is host three times. When Jesus calls the disciples, secondly, before Jesus lays down his life, and third, before he leaves this earth. Come and see, go and prepare, and come and dine. These three phrases really give us a structure for witnessing and also for making disciples for Christ. Jesus wants to be our host. 
Will we accept his invitation to come and see, go and prepare, and come and dine? It's a fabulous invitation, and the experience is empowering, and it's uplifting. And when Jesus says to Peter and Andrew, come and see, he really establishes a basis for our ministry and also the message for the work of the church. It's essentially an inviting and welcoming community and ministry that we do. This is what the church is. It's what it does. It invites and it welcomes. This is what Christians do. We're inviting and welcoming. We don't impose on people. We invite. We don't wrestle. We welcome. We don't put down others. We love. And that loving is not just bringing here to this place, to God's house, where Jesus is our host but it's also going out there and loving, loving people at all stages of life as we look at this celebration of Life Sunday this week, from the womb to the time that God calls us to himself. We are to be loving and caring and respecting. The primary mission of the church and our responsibility as followers of Jesus, that primary responsibility is not to explain the whole Nicene Creed or the Augsburg Confession, for example, is not to ask people if they know if they're going to heaven. It's not to tell people to go down to the church where down the street there, they might be more comfortable there. It's not to judge people as to their eternal destiny. And the primary mission is not to judge them to find out what team they're even rooting for at the Super Bowl in two weeks from today. Jesus encourages us to follow his example as a host. Be inviting and welcoming. Three words, come and see. And this is all we need to say to people who are seeking a deeper, more meaningful relationship and experience in their life. At Passover time next, Jesus indicates that he'll be the host of the Passover meal. But he needs some help. So he asks the disciples to get some transportation, and also to find a place. He tells them to go and prepare. And this is precisely what they do. They find a donkey, and they find an upper room. In Luke, his specific instructions are, go and prepare the Passover meal for us so that we may eat it. In other words, we're not only there to welcome others to the meal, as we witness today, We're asked to prepare the meal itself. Jesus is the host, right? But we're in the kitchen. Jesus has done the shopping, but we have to do the cooking. We have the ingredients, but we have to prepare the meal, as he says. Too often the meal we invite others to sample is not too tasty. It may end up being dry, undercooked or overcooked. Perhaps it's stale or bland maybe too salty or overly spicy. Jesus asks us to go and prepare. And that's an invitation to thoughtful consideration of what our guests will really need and appreciate. One interesting note here. Jesus asks us to go and prepare. And he also says that he in turn will go and prepare. In John 14.3, he says, If I go and prepare a place for you. I will come back and take you to be with me 
that you also may be where I am. He will go and prepare a place as he has done for each of us. It's not that it's something that's expected in return for something else, but the implication is clear here. You go and prepare, and I will go and prepare a place for you. Finally, Jesus is the one who acts as host in Galilee as he invites those disciples to that fish breakfast. The call is to come and dine. That's the logical third step in disciple-making. First we invite, then we prepare the meal, and now we call people to dinner, to sit down and enjoy the fellowship and the nutrients that they will be feeding their souls and more. And it's the and more part that's interesting here. It is well known that many businesses seal their deals over dinner, right? Meals are often occasions for planning and preparation and when decisions and proposals are made. Do you remember how food was a part of our fast-forward efforts last year? As many of us gathered for meals, as we were making those commitments, it was a time to bring us together. It's no different here. Jesus is handing out jobs. The most challenging interview is with Peter. As they're munching on tilapia, which is now known today as St. Peter's fish, Jesus asked Peter about his future employment plans. You know how it goes. After a brief period of confusion, Peter asking Jesus three times, do you love me? Peter gets his commission. Jesus says during those times for him to take care and to feed the lambs and sheep. And doing that for Peter one day is going to cost him his own life. Jesus invites us to have a meal with him. And it's not just the meal that is before us today, as we will celebrate that very soon. The meal that we have with Jesus is, of course, a figurative one. It's to enter into an experience of closeness and union with the Lord so that we know what his will is for us as we live for him. Jesus did it all for us, and our response of love is to share Christ to make him known to others. And we can be strengthened to do that as we receive his body and blood even this day. Some years back, the Lutheran Church had conducted a poll where they asked Lutherans how it was that they happened to come to church in the first place. Think about yourself, how you first came into a church. Here's the replies. Two to three percent said it was denominational identity. Now, those are long-time Lutherans, obviously, right? Five to six percent, it was from a program or a church event that they attended. Three to four percent was preaching and worship life. There's over 80 percent who said they joined because a friend or family member invited them. And the new attendee, they could see the importance of faith in the friend or family member's life. Jesus' invitation is to come and see. We're always invited into a closer relationship with him. Now, there's no compulsion there. There's no pressure. Just that smiling invitation that Jesus gives to spend in the presence of another. And when, for us, that other person is Jesus, the encounter is a life-changing experience. It's crucially important, too, 
what guests experience when they come and see? Do they find a warm gathering of people here, always eager to greet a newcomer? Or do they essentially find a closed group, a gathering of people who know each other very well, but really they don't have time for anyone else? Well, here are five easy rules for inviting someone to come and see. A friend, a neighbor of yours, perhaps. First of all, pray about your inviting. Ask the Lord to identify to you who would be most receptive to your invitation. There's plenty of them out there. They're a majority in this world. Secondly, don't be content with a general invitation. Like, you know, you should come to church with me sometime. That's the Christian equivalent of saying, well, one of these days, let's do lunch. Instead, make your invitation specific. Say, why not this Sunday? Third, invite during a time of need. Consider your invitation in times of maybe a season of change for someone. Perhaps it's a loss they're going through. Times when it's even more likely that the person is longing to hear some good news in the midst of bad news that's surrounding them. Fourth, invite that person to come to worship with you. A person who hasn't been to church for a while, or not at all, will find it much easier to be with someone who knows the ropes instead of them coming in feeling like a stranger. And fifth, be persistent. You don't need to nag about it, but sometimes people do need to hear an invitation more than once. You may fear that you're being a nuisance to them, but more likely than not, if it's a friend or a neighbor of yours, you're really showing them that you're caring for them. All you're doing is saying, come and see. Those three little words which have brought you to faith, perhaps, maybe it was when you came through the waters of baptism. For us who know Christ, for us to say, come and see, that can bring someone else to faith. Or maybe renew a faith that had grown cold in their lives. Those words worked for Andrew and for his brother Simon. They'll work also for the person that you're inviting. As long as you offer the gift of yourself in being with them. In this sermon, we've taken a look at Jesus. He's more than an Airbnb host, of course. But no doubt, when we invite people to come and see, and to go and prepare, and to come and dine, they're going to check the reviews, right? Well, what are other people going to say about Jesus? Are they going to give him five stars? Or three stars? Or maybe no stars? As the host, Jesus shows us how to be welcoming and inviting. And how to prepare that meal. And then we seal the deal. We invite others to come and dine. May God go with you as you leave this place and you invite others to come and see. To God be the glory in his name. Amen. And now may the peace of God which surpasses all of our understanding 
Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, who is your Lord and Savior. Amen.